Hello and welcome back to Tells. Hello, Andrew Nimi. <laughs> Hola, chica. ¿Cómo está? Oh my goodness. Bien, gracias. ¿Et tú? Ah, bien, bien. Okay, so, thank okay, you. So, sorry. <laughs> There's just a, a mariachi band walking by the uh, the villa down here in Mexico. Sorry about that. Uh huh. They're they're gone now. Ah, uh, okay. <laughs> uh, well then, how are you doing down in Mexico? Uh, aside from extremely tilted at the moment, uh, pretty good. So. Uh, that's going to come and go, I think, that tilt throughout the uh, the three weeks that I'm down here. But just got to roll with the waves, you know? Why are you so tilted today? Uh, well, I've been uh, locked in to the tournament grind, the online poker tournament grind down here. And uh, shortly before firing up this uh, this recording session, I was doing pretty pretty okay in a tournament, the biggest tournament of the day, $200 buy-in tournament. Okay. And, uh, had myself a, a healthy 20 big blinds, 22 big blinds or so, heading up, heading into the uh, the money bubble or a, a few spots away from that. And then I managed to uh, lose all of those chips, blind versus blind, pocket jacks versus ace five off suit. And uh, that's, that's a result of zero dollars on the day. So what did you have, pocket jacks or ace five? I had the jacks. I had the good hand. Oh, that's rough. Yeah. It's like, it was so obvious, like so clear, like what the guy was up to. And, uh, so he like limped in small blinds. I raise it three, like 3.4 big blinds. He jams 20, 22 big blinds. Mm -hmm. I've seen this play. Like I've, so like, since I've been playing tournaments online, it's like people do the same thing, like very regularly really, with, with similar hands. Yeah. And they'll just like, they'll always do this sort of a thing. And I, I just knew what he was doing. And I saw it coming. And uh, like, I'm just always getting it in there with Jax, I think. But I don't know. I'm sure I'm sure some sort of uh, tournament professional will say, maybe we're not supposed to go broke that close to the money or something. So you've seen it a couple of times, people doing what exactly? The uh, the limp re-raise or the limp jam with with a weak ace. I see. So do you think there's a hand what is it called when you have starting hands do you think there's tournament starting hands that you are not privy to um i'm learning i'm getting my learn on and i've been i've been uh, checking out charts reading charts studying charts and yeah there's definitely a lot of stuff that i was not privy to before uh getting so heavily into the grind down here um, but yeah, I'm, I'm learning, but I'm already seeing like a bunch of patterns from people doing various things. So I don't know. I think these, I think tournament poker is pretty easy to be honest with you. <laughs> All right. So we will expect a bracelet. Do not come back to Las Vegas without a bracelet. Just stay in Mexico. It seems like it's just a matter of time. Like that probably sounds like extremely cocky, but, uh, and I mean, I'm not saying that the matter of time is going to be uh, attainable in three weeks while I'm down here to, to like win a big tournament. But it seems like... Don't try and back out of it now. You said it was easy. <laughs> but now we deserve a tournament. The listeners of the podcast and myself deserve a bracelet. I'll try. I'll try my best. But... Uh... No, there is no try. <laughs> you or don't. There is no try. Isn't that the same? I think you just have to play like a million of these things and then you're basically guaranteed a bracelet. Okay. So five tournaments every single day while you're there. I don't know. It probably sounds extremely cocky. I apologize. I apologize <laughs> to everyone, all the all the Tells listeners. I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit still on tilt, so you'll have um, to forgive me. So how's your time been in Mexico? How is it? How is my time in Mexico for you? Are you missing me? Uh Almost like I miss you, but not enough where I'm desperate for you to come home yet. Okay. You know, it's like a nice missing, you know, that hot rose fonder missing. 
mm-hmm. it's a good missing. It's not the desperation missing. What? Uh, how long do you think it'll take before you get to the desperation missing? Maybe halfway. So you know, what is it? Three weeks is how many days? Twenty one. Seven, yeah. fourteen, twenty one. So day ten coming up midweek next week should be. I'll let you know. What comes after the desperation missing? Uh, pining. What does that mean? A I don't deep, know that word. A deep pining, like a deep longing. Uh, maybe a bit of melancholy. Hmm. These are words that need to be looked up in a dictionary. So just like a little bit of sadness, maybe. Maybe a little bit of daydreaming of what we could be doing together if you were here. Okay. And then then you're home. And then I'm like, oh, maybe he should have stayed a little bit longer. At what point does it, uh, do you look to replace me? Replace you? Yeah. Like you stayed, if you went away for how long would I look to replace you? Is that the question? Yeah, sure. 18 months, maybe. (laughs) 18 months? There's people that get deployed for a lot longer than that, don't they? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) How long am I supposed to be waiting? Actually, I don't really know how long deployments are. Uh, I'll, I'll have to plead ignorance on that one a little bit. I mean, I, maybe they get breaks along the way. I don't really know how that works. Yeah. I mean, why am I waiting for more than 18 months? I don't know. I feel like a year and a half would go relatively quick over the, the grand scheme of things. If we're talking about like your soulmate here. But what what are you doing that I'm waiting for? Uh, working. Like in Mexico playing poker because you, so hypothetically. Working working slash swimming in the pool. Okay. Yeah. Let's go 12 months. (laughs) Swimming in the pool, beachside, 12 months. Easily. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, life down here is pretty good. I think we're somewhat to a lot spoiled down here. Yeah. So it's like, wake up, roll out of bed around 10 a.m. Head downstairs for coffee and uh, light breakfast out by the pool, and take in the view of the ocean and the Cabo Arch. And Isn't it uh, called Lands End. I saw you Google it the other day, and it said the Cabo Arch, but I'm almost think, certain it's called Lands End. I think that patch of land is called Lands End, but the arch itself is the Arch of Cabo, San Lucas, okay. or whatever. Okay. So, oh, I guess it's like, what are you looking at when you look out from your balcony? Right. Okay. So Land's End and the Cabo Arch all all, okay. all together along with the ocean and uh, usually not a cloud in the sky. A little breezy. Can't really complain about that, I guess. Yeah. Get a, get a light workout in, jump rope, get my 500 jumps in. Mm. Maybe a couple push-ups in between. Maybe a swim in the pool. Nice. And then uh, get showered and then uh, grab a seat at the desk. And it's time for six or eight tournaments, online pokers. Sounds like a pretty idyllic life, Andrew Nimi. Uh, How long would it be before you, how long do you think you could stay away from me? Not particularly Las Vegas, I guess, since you seem to be doing just fine in Cabo. Uh, Um, Well, can't I just like... Can't I just fly you in like every Monday and Tuesday? No, I'm not a call girl. What is this? Hmm. That would be ideal though, because there's no um, bracelet events really in my buy-in range on Mondays and Tuesdays. What's happening on Monday and Tuesday? The two high, the big ones or the two small ones? Mondays, they seem to have just left open on the schedule and because I think Sundays are such a traditionally big day in online poker. So there's like two or three events on Sunday along with a bunch of other smaller non-bracelet events. So Monday, they seem to give everyone a day off. Tuesday, they'll schedule a high buy-in tournament, like a $5,000 PLO event or something like that. Yeah. And then uh, Wednesday is usually back into like the the 1K or 1500 or 800 range, something like that. So you got to go on Wednesday morning. You'd be fine with me just coming on the weekend Monday, what is it? Like come in Sunday night, leave Tuesday? Leave Wednesday morning. 
Okay, I think we've uh, figured out a new a new way of being. Is this going to go on until September? Well, it, it would only go on until we, I think, win the bracelet. And then it'll be time for new challenges, probably. Okay, I see. So tell me, Andrew Nimi, um, when you, you go grocery shopping, right? Mm-hmm. What have you been eating in Cabo San Lucas? Uh, Brad and I. Um, we've been doing, we've been doing pretty well, I think I give us like, uh, give us about an eight, 8.5 maybe for how well you've been doing with food. Uh, we, when we arrived, yeah, 8.5, two burgers, mac and cheese. and (laughs) There was salad in that meal. And salad, like, you know, there's like no nutritional value really in lettuce. Mm, I don't know. There's some there's some uh, some greenery in there that'll yeah know, yeah it's help, just help for the, the look help move the pipes a little bit I think ah uh, um but we've been eight point five seems a little high I don't know we've been getting our cooking on so we've cooked uh, we've cooked chicken we've cooked salmon uh, rice and uh, salad and yeah burgers um, you know it's not all. You know, tacos. We haven't found any tacos, to be honest with you, yet, which is kind of disappointing. But really? I think tonight, tonight, someone clued us in about a lady who is like a short walk from here, who sells. She makes and sells tamales out of like a garbage can, which sounds weird, but you know, it's like she's got her own little setup. That is not oh. weird, actually, because in South Africa, that is how they roast the corn. So it's like a huge drum. And they cut a they cut an opening in it, put the yeah. coal in, and like a little track, and they put the corn on there. Easily the best corn, grilled corn you will ever eat in your life. Well, maybe these tamales will also be the best tamales of our lives. But Brad and I are going to go find out. I think tonight we might try and see if we can locate the tamale lady. I'm looking forward to it. But before that, so when you went to the grocery store, right? Or when you went to Costco to buy your monitors, because if you missed Andrew's story when he first arrived in Mexico, he traveled with um, an extra monitor, which I told him would not be able to get a fragile sticker on. Uh, But he decided that he would just uh, check check a monitor into the what is it what do, where do they store store luggage in the stowaway not carry it on board with him no no check it and if you've ever looked out of the window at an airport and you've seen the handling of baggage andrew decided to check a monitor so anyway uh your monitor was busto by the time you got to cabo um, my monitor was Busto, as was Brad's, who, as a matter of fact, he did carry his on with him, but somehow he also managed to bust his, uh, as well. Yeah. He busted his though before you even took off. So that wasn't, <laughs> yeah. so we don't know what happened. We'll have to ask Brad to explain himself on another day. But I just wanted to ask you, when you go to the grocery store, are you the person who returns the cart to the cart holder, you know, the little cart parking. Yeah. Do you leave it on the, on the, in the parking spot or do you take it back to the store? Or you just leave it wherever you feel like it. I either put it in the parking, the cart parking or the, uh, take it all the way back up to the store. Always. I would say like, Nine times out of 10. Okay. And what do you think it says about somebody who doesn't take the parking or put the cart back? So you mean like when they put the front wheels up on like the the curb? (laughs) Right. On the little tree curb. Yeah. Uh, I don't think they're a very good member of society, to be honest with you. I read somewhere that if you are the type of person who leaves a cart you know, in an actual parking spot or like on the curb, then you cannot be trusted to self-govern. 
<laughs> because nobody's usually watching you when you return that card. So if you right. return the card to, you know, the card parking or to the store, then you can be trusted to self-govern thoughts on that. I've been I've been kind of thinking about similar I've been thinking along similar lines lately about how we treat each other and like we're all supposed to be on the same team here like we're supposed to be helping each other in this country and i don't think putting the two front wheels up on the on the cart on the tree curb (laughs) is really looking out for your your fellow citizen because someone's going to try and park in the spot where half of that cart to three quarters of that cart is taking up that parking spot so just because you don't want to push the cart like for 10 seconds 15 seconds over to the little parking thing i'm glad you brought this up I just thought it was, I saw a meme and I thought that was so funny because I always take the cart, I always take the cart back to the store or make sure to put it in the parking, the cart parking, you know, and I always wonder when I see a cart on the curb of like what happened, because obviously you have to have some compassion. Maybe they were in such a rush, you know, imagine like, a mom with a screaming kid who needs to go home and be fed. Maybe they can't take the cart back to the park, cart parking. Or maybe you're an elderly person and, you know, it's just like That's the, very... limbs, the limbs don't work quite as well as they used to. And then they just like leave the cart in the I tell you, I'll tell you what the reasoning is. It's okay. because It's because the grocery store actually has someone on the payroll who's among maybe other jobs, but definitely one of their roles is to walk around the parking lot and collect all those carts that people leave out there. So they're like, well, that person is paid to do this job. I'm sort of like making their employment possible by leaving this cart out here. Hmm. So you think it's 90% of the time or more often than not, it is that type of logic? Like, giving somebody a job to do so therefore i'll just leave the cart there no it's 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 laziness with with an excuse uh Mm. with like a yeah like a clear excuse for it and what other um instances of this have you been thinking about andrew nimi why do you why do you call me by my full name because i love it (laughs) (laughs) are you sure it's not you haven't like replaced me you you aren't using like lovey-dovey words and names <laughs> so i need to um i'm using your full name so just so i don't mistakenly call you by my new boyfriend's name you know so i need to make sure andrew Nimi, because uh, maybe his name's andrew too just uh, just never know just never know what was your question what other what other instances of this are you thinking about because you said you've been thinking about this type of Oh, well, just not to get like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it would, it would be taking a turn for the too serious, I think for the, for the show, but, uh, just like the way we treat each other and how a lot of people, a lot of, there's a lot of divisiveness, you know? And so we often, we just like forget about how, like how, how much better things would be if we were so much more like in the zone of, of looking out for each other and helping each other rather than like picking a team and like being divided by all these different things. So anyway. I think it's just like thoughtful, you know, to take the card back because A, they could be somebody, obviously, like you said, somebody needs to park in that spot. And especially in Las Vegas, I always just think about, because it's usually like young kids, you know, who work these jobs at the grocery store. And it's so hot. And they have to run around pushing these carts where you could just easily just put the cart in the cart parking. Yep. Yep. Well, when we went to uh, Walmart yesterday, uh, you'll be very happy to know that I brought the cart to the little cart parking. And uh, we, had a, we had a successful Walmart trip, I think. We uh, got a variety of uh, reasonably healthy things mixed in with some reasonably unhealthy things. Is the Walmart in Mexico like the Walmart in America? It's basically the same thing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, everything is, uh, almost everything is in Spanish though. So it makes it a little bit tougher 
because you're, you need to double check to make sure what you're buying is what you think you're buying. Um, it's because like we got some lunch meats. Um, and I, I don't know how to say turkey in Spanish. Uh, jamón is an easy one, but uh, yeah, I don't know yeah, how to you say probably it. probably shouldn't so. be eating lunch meats to begin with. But <laughs> I want to know from the listeners of the Tells podcast, do you take, do you return the cart to the cart parking or do you abandon it in the parking lot? It's going to be tough for some people to answer because their real names are going to be attached when they send a message. So only the people that want to <laughs> fess let up. us know what you think about it. Do you think people should return them? Or like Andrew said, it's somebody's job. So they should just do their job. That's right. I gave you, I gave people a, a bailout, a, a, a free uh, excuse to, to own up to it. So we'll see what happens. But yeah, so far we've braved uh, Walmart and Costco. But down here, they're a little strict on the Costco situation because you can only have one person per membership card and only myself has a membership card so in order to replace those screens that we were talking about we had to go over to costco and go shopping and uh i had to be i had to be texting brad outside the the store to because he wasn't allowed in so that was a little bit of an, an adventure and they only had one hp monitor for sale at the costco but luckily it's a very nice monitor. So grabbed two of those, went on, went, went on our way. And then, uh, yeah, Walmart, we've been to Walmart a couple of times. We were a little bit nervous because they don't have, um, plastic bags or like paper bags. You have to use like a, a reusable bag, but we didn't have any, so we weren't sure what we were going to do, but, uh, they sell them there. So our, our, our fears were put out pretty quickly. Yeah, that's pretty good. So based on you being the return the cart to the cart parking, um, I've, how many streams have you done since you've been in Mexico for poker? I think two, either two or three, but I think two. Okay. And what is the most, what is the best part about streaming and what is the not so good part of streaming, especially a tournament? Uh, it's, it's the same thing. The best part and the worst part is the interaction with people. Uh, best part, like interacting in near real time, people rooting you on, uh, cheering for you when things go well. And then at, in tournaments, things almost literally always, uh, do not go well. Um, <laughs> you just said 20 minutes ago how these tournaments were easy, but please continue. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying like, it's, it's rare that you will win one, but it's rare, but inevitable. So it's like two sort of conflicting ideas, but yeah, I don't know how else to say that. But anyway, so the worst part is, I guess, like people who, uh, there's people who I think are just waiting for that to happen just so they can twist the knife for some reason. Um, so that's always a treat, I guess. Poker is like this, poker is this weird thing where it, it sort of like tricks you into thinking that you know what you're doing or that you know more about the game than you might compared to how much more you can learn. So it's very easy to start and get into it, but then it's like such a long learning path and like a lot more um, in depth than it might appear at first, but yeah. you don't, you don't know that until you've already gone down that road. So it's like constantly uh, not dealing with, with that, but like, I guess there's like some education that goes into streaming that you want to like, you know, tell people why you're doing things. Um, but people are like, if they don't understand it, they just are quick to assume that it's wrong. You know, things like that. So it can be pretty tough. Is it tilting? Is that the right term for it? Or um, tell me about what happened on when were you streaming? Tuesday, Wednesday? Because I caught literally the tail end of the stream because I was watching and then I stepped out for about an hour and then I came back and then the last I saw was. I guess that's it. I'll chat to you guys okay. later. And you'd looked pretty 
sad. So did I? A little bit, yeah. <laughs> okay, it's fine. Like, there's nothing wrong with being upset in the moment, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, tournaments. Yeah, it's like so. I mean, obviously, I'm partially joking about saying tournaments are so easy because the hard, the very hard thing about tournaments is that you grind and grind and grind, and then it's over in a flash, and then you have to start all all the way over at the beginning again. Right. So like when you're playing a cash game, there is no beginning and end. You're always like in the middle of it. Right. So you can leave you when you sit down, the game is in the middle of it. Basically, even if even if the game literally that the one you're sitting in is uh, a new game, you're supposed to look at your your sessions as one long game. Right. So like one long session and you're basically always in the middle of that session. Until you retire, I guess. And then you don't play any more poker. That's the end of your sessions. Um, but in tournaments, so like you'll be in the middle of a tournament or you'll be getting towards the final table or whatever, and then you bust out and you have to go all the way back to the beginning of a tournament. And so that's the hardest part about tournaments is that it can be super tilting, super frustrating, super disappointing. Um, when you you have visions of the, the top prize or the top three prizes, you don't get there. And then you got to do a bunch of work to try and get there again. Uh, so I guess that probably explains the uh, the sadness in the moment. Um, so on Wednesday, yeah, we were doing pretty well in a bracelet event. Had pretty reasonable chip stack. We made it into the money. So that's great. Cashing in a bracelet event, always fun. Um, had the most people watching on my stream uh, so far ever, which was just under 4,000 people all at once. And uh, action folds over to a guy on the button who is a professional, very accomplished player um, and had been playing a lot of hands, like almost 50% of his hands. And so he makes a raise on the button, which I expect him to do like probably somewhere around 80 or 90% of the time or something when it folds over to him. Uh, so we have, we have ace five and I'm, you know, I, I have charts that can, I can check back and, double check my uh my plays and so even though it, it, it sort of like comes back to what i'm talking about when um the audience might see a hand like ace five and just assume it's generally like not that good of a hand but there's so much nuance that goes into that exact situation uh such as the player opening so much on in that spot uh me blocking good hands with the ace and even when he does call i still win uh like 30 percent of the time or whatever mm. so it's hard to like get people to understand that when they're like rage chatting away into the chat box <laughs> rage chatting <laughs> yeah uh the, the audience can turn on you pretty quick so like um so yeah, I jammed it in there and busted and it was like 20 some blinds, which means um, there's going to be multiple ways that are plus EV to play the hand, but I'm pretty sure the, the way I took was the most plus EV, um, but it's such a rare sort of like instance for the big majority of the audience to be in the money of a WSOP bracelet event that they would usually take a much more cautious line um, and not risk letting that experience in that moment go. Um, so a lot of people sort of view that as completely reckless slash stupid to throw away that opportunity to be in the money in a bracelet event with a hand that is not, you know, a premium, a super premium hand. Got it. Okay. So do you consider the audience i think i've asked you this before but in a situation like that do you consider that you have people watching or do you in that moment do you not consider that somebody's watching you um so usually yes but after doing like a little bit more studying and looking at a lot of charts and stuff mm -hmm. it makes it easier to sort of like get past that thought and just do what you're supposed to do from like uh, an EV perspective. It's still going to suck like when you lose, uh, you know, 
both because you don't want to lose for yourself and because people are watching, but it makes it like easier to do the right thing and be okay with it after the fact. Yeah. Cause I've seen some, some people just log off immediately. And I mean, you didn't log off immediately, sort of like just final hand be like, I'm so tilted. I can't take this. Goodbye. Bye. And then the stream just ends. Do you think it's partly because people don't want to see the rage chat continue and because it's done, right? Like whatever's happened is now done. So whether you listen or read the chat is not going to change the outcome. Why do, Why is that tilting? I don't know if that's right. a fair question though, but you know, you, you know what I mean? Why is reading it tilting? Right. Because that's not going to change the outcome, but it, can make you feel angrier or like, yeah, for think- example, like if I show somebody my trades, right. And I know what I did wrong. And then you just rub it in about like, you, why are you doing that? You shouldn't be doing that at this stage in your trading. Mm. I feel like it's almost worse than the mistake because I acknowledge the mistake. So you, adding in to the mistake doesn't make it any better. Like it's not going to change the outcome. Yeah. I think, um, as a content creator, you are, it's like, it's a goal to build, uh, a community that is like supportive of each other. So it's, it's never going to be a hundred percent though. Right. But when you're doing this thing, this poker thing, and you're streaming it, um, you're sort of reliant on, the the community and the audience that you've built mm-hmm. in in some fashion right it's like part of the drill it's like it's required so you want it to be like a happy slash fun place generally <laughs> right. you don't want to be like either disappointing people or doing something that provides fuel fuel for trolls or things like that you know so it's always like trying to I guess, do your best. And uh, even though it's like going to be impossible to to always win and to always have good things happen, it's, um, it's still hard for like, it's still hard as like a human being to, to, to just like go with the flow when it's like the really like tough times. Do you think there's merit in using that moment to talk through your process of why you made that decision? Or do you think you should do that maybe another time? I don't know if like, I don't know if enough people really care. That's, that's the tough part, mm-hmm. right? So the, the, that's the thing about poker is that the most people, the biggest portion of the audience cares about that stuff the least. Um, they don't, they want to watch like personalities, like personality makes poker fun. And the numbers and the math and the science behind it, it is less interesting, I think, to, to more people. It's definitely interesting to some people. So it's worth like talking about those things um, just because people can tune out if they're not interested and then the people who are can listen. But uh, it's just like not the majority of people. And so you can try and do that. You can like try and, and explain it. And I I tried to do that on the stream, but it's also like you're still dealing with like the tournament tilt itself. So it could be pretty tough to like be super analytical in that moment. But uh, yeah, I think it's very different, right, from actually playing. Because if you think about going to a soccer game, it could be a technical reason why the goalie blocked that shot because of, uh, you know, how they do it, whatever technical terms and ways that they do it. And it's not going to make any difference to the fan because now they've lost, right? So I guess it's that type of idea. I'm not sure. It's weird. Like the, like in any spectator sport, um, when someone makes a blunder, like a game costing blunder, uh, especially in an in an important game, fans will just pile on that that person. Like I've seen it countless times. Um, and there was, I remember, uh, this one time in particular when, um, this was like a couple of years back, uh, Michigan state football was playing Michigan and 
Michigan was winning and the, the Michigan punter went to, went to kick the ball and he fumbled it and he, he picked it up and tried to kick it again, but uh, Michigan State got to him too quickly, got the ball away from him and ran the ball all the way back for a touchdown, like a game-winning touchdown to end the game. Mm-hmm. So it's like it was so um, unlikely to happen, but the punter definitely made a mistake. And like you could go into his Instagram and and see people just like comment after comment of, the, of like saying to this guy, like you 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 complete idiot, like you suck, you like kill yourself, like all the, like the worst stuff that you can imagine. And these are from like Michigan fans, right? It's like you can't inject logic at that point because right. somebody is in their feeling right of this excitement and now you have just ended this emotional ride that they've been <laughs> right. so yeah. you are responsible andrew and you should pay your stream watches right because they pay to be on the stream right like they buy yep. tickets so you should refund them tickets. <laughs> well they invested the time you know they invested the time and they didn't invest they're they're planning to invest time in, in something that will really deliver like exactly uh, so when you when you f that up for them then then you're you are deserved of a, a couple chats here and there chat messages Hmm. Yeah, it's a, it's pretty interesting phenomena because I don't think they're thinking about uh, you at that point, right? So you can't really take it personally either because I don't think it's really directed at you. I think it's always the end of this emotional time investment that I've been on. Now you have cut that short. Okay, so do you feel better about yourself? That is not about you. So you can't be tilted because it's not really about you. <laughs> uh, no, probably not. I don't think I feel better. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Well, I thought I would give you some um, poker therapy, but clearly it didn't work. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, it's like, it's fine. It's because uh, building, like building a big audience is really fun and it can be really real. Re- it could be really rewarding and um, it's tough to have anything in the world be like without negatives. So especially things that can be really rewarding, it often comes with like some big negatives too. So I guess it just kind of like comes with the territory pretty often. Right. But yeah, but if you remember that it's not personal, then because how can it be personal? Most people watching don't really know you. They know about you, but they don't really know you. So I know it's easier said than done, but it's not personal, you know? Yeah, I don't think it's, I guess I don't really take it personally, but. Uh, you're tilting, you're taking it personally, sir. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I don't so, know. I just want anyway. everyone to be happy, you know? So we're a little bit behind on listener feedback. Let's see where we start here. So Richard said, hi, Busi and Andrew. Thank you for providing us with a small bit of normalcy in these otherwise strange times. And to Busi, a belated congratulations on becoming an American. Thank you, sir. I was going to ask a question on your favorite style of pizza, but I think I really want to know is when can we expect to see favorable French Terry sweatpants shorts in the merch store? That how is a great you, question. How are your sweatpants shorts coming along, Andrew? I'm wearing a pair right now. The grays, they're comfy. They are comfy, but cool, but not too cool, but not too warm. They're great. So, Rich, I had actually been thinking about that. Uh, work in progress, hopefully soon. I hope so, too. So we also got a message from Dalton and he, his uh, title is Genetics. He said, hello, Busi and Andrew, just wanted to throw my two cents slash life experience about drinking linked to genetics. I come from a long line of drinkers on both sides of my family. I grew up hearing stories of my grandpa driving my great grandpa home from the bar at 12 years old and sharing drinks once they got home. 
and the apple didn't fall far from the tree as my dad was a really bad alcoholic for at least 20 years. But is sober now, thankfully. Similar stories have been told on my mum's side and great-grandfather actually drank himself to death. I never met him though. That's awful. So there is lots and lots of history of alcoholism in my family and I'm happy to report I have drank one time in my life and it was when I was 13. I'm now 29 and haven't touched alcohol since. If genetics were part of the equation, I would be the perfect candidate, but that has led me to believe that it's more of a social and cultural norm that leads to excessive drinking. I've never had urges to drink and I come from a, rural, a small town in rural Nevada where that's all kids want to do growing up. I honestly think it's a mindset, a mindset instead of something genetic. Thank you, Dalton. I appreciate that from somebody with lived experience, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that's to say you're wrong, Andrew Nimi. <laughs> <laughs> so he's saying it's a cultural thing and not genetic? It's a cultural and social norm. Um, I had a conversation yesterday with uh, my girlfriends and it's so funny because every time I talk about not drinking, there's this very visceral reaction. You know, it's, it's almost like you, why would you want to leave this, this club? Why? Give me a reason why you, I said, I mean, what is the point? Right. And it's like this, Jalen was like defending all the reasons that people drink and how I was like, we don't have to defend it. Like, if you, <laughs> you know what I mean? But there is, there's a very sort of strong reaction to being outside of that because then it's not, I don't know. I, I'm not sure why that is um, quite yet, but it is really interesting to to look at how strong and visceral the reaction is and not even... I haven't even said like I'm not drinking. I said I'm thinking about not drinking anymore and the reaction is like why would you want to leave this group this Yeah, I think it's, I think people people think that like you're not going to be one of us anymore, right? You're like not going to be fun maybe. Not not maybe not fun or maybe they might think that you might think that they're not fun or like, like that you can't connect with them because they're drunk or something like that, or had some drinks, not even drunk, mm -hmm. but like, yeah, it's sort of like you're leaving the, the, the agreed upon set of rules as we get together, we get, we get together and have drinks and sort of let down our guard. And yeah, I don't know if that means that your guard will be up or if you'll, you'll be, um, not into the other person who's intoxicated. Right, but you know that no sober person wants to hang out with a drunk person. Like when you're sober and you see somebody who's drunk, not just who's had a drink, but who's drunk, that is not somebody you want to hang out with because you're that's not I, on the same wavelength. That's why you just need to start making content about your drunk friends. <laughs> uh yeah, I think that's cute when you're like 20, but I don't think it's cute when you're 40. <laughs> that's just the reality, right? Like if that was the case, I think there would be a lot more content. Every time you look at somebody else who's been drinking, it's like, oh, shame. That's so sad. Like Why? you never there, go, whoa, they... look at that person living their best life. Maybe you... So, so your friends are all like sad drunks is what you're saying? No, I'm just saying it does. It's not a good look though. Like blur, I blur their faces out. You record me when I've been drinking. I'll blur your face out. <laughs> okay. But anyway, that was from Dalton. Any, any feedback, any additions, takeaways? Um, well, I don't think, are you saying that I didn't say it was a cultural thing at all? You said it was, it might be more than just cultural. It could be genetic as well. Well, I definitely think there's a lot of culture influences involved. Like I feel like the mid, I feel like the Midwest 
drinking culture is massive. Right. But it's not like genetic. It's how the cultural fabric in that part was built, right? Like it was just normalized. And I don't think, like you do whatever you want. Like I don't say it's wrong. I personally love to have a mezcal cocktail, but um, thinking about it bigger term, you know, like outside of cultural norms, then yeah, it's just not quite as attractive as it used to be. Sure. So well, this was a fun relationship. I need to find myself <laughs> someone who was not giving up the sauce. Thank you very much. Uh and we'll see. I mean, it's just like an idea, you know. I haven't even committed yet. Alan Carr said I don't need to commit until I finish the last page of the book. So I'm I'm still investigating this idea. You let me know. Last bit of feedback before you go and what are you gonna do after the after recording tells? You're gonna go for you. a swim in your nice pool? I'll tell you after this last bit of feedback. Well, this feedback I'm very excited to read. I mean, we have quite a bit of feedback, but I have I think we'll have to save some for for next week. Okay. We got an email from Sean. You remember Sean? Sean fell in love in quarantine or during lockdown. Ah, yes. And we he had asked him to let us know how it was going. And he wrote in, said, everything has been going great. We've introduced the kids and have spent several weekends together doing different outdoor activities as well as indoor activities, which has really made us grow together moving forward in this relationship. Sean also said, we have recently decided to go to Jacksonville, Florida to visit my family for a week. And while down there, planned a day to swim with dolphins in St. Augustine, a bucket list activity. Good for you, Sean. And he says, also, I might be doing a live stream at Best Bet, Jacksonville. Do you know where Best Bet is? Yeah, it's in Jacksonville. No, but do you know about it? I guess that's a better question. I do know about it. Yes, I have not been yet. I've never been to Jacksonville, but uh, I have chatted with the uh, the poker room manager at Jacksonville, uh, at Best Bet Jacksonville. All right. So Sean also says, I would really like to thank you and Andrew. Over the past few years, I feel as though I'm on this journey with you and Andrew. Since the start of the vlogs and now the podcast, I've personally gained a lot of insight and encouragement from the vlogs and the podcast that has led me to a much better place personally. We've all heard and seen the trials and tribulations that poker and life can throw at you during your journeys. I've watched every vlog from the beginning and listened to every podcast. And over this time, I've made very significant changes in my life along the way. I've divorced and separated myself from a very toxic individual that was constantly keeping me down and holding me back. I have a much stronger relationship with my 11-year-old daughter. I have significantly improved my overall poker game and win rate. I put a lot more effort into getting my dream job at UPS, which I obtained in October 2018, as previously discussed in listener feedback on a previous podcast. And I have now met what is the most loving, caring, professional and loyal woman I've ever met in my life who is constantly encouraging me to chase all my dreams. So again, Busi and Andrew, thank you. Watching the vlogs and listening to the podcast all this time, I feel as though I've gotten a lot of encouragement through subject matters and stories to make better and more plus EV decisions in my life. Whether you realize it or not, What you guys are doing is very helpful, positive, and encouraging to a lot of your viewers and listeners. Keep up the great work. Can't wait for new favorable hoodies. And hopefully, we'll see you guys sometime soon in Cincinnati. So. Wow. That was the message from Sean. and That's that's one of the best messages we've ever gotten. That's amazing. Nice work, Sean. Congratulations. Congratulations, Sean, on creating the life of your dreams. 
You yeah. know, you just sit down in a you sit down in a closet in your in your apartment and you talk into a microphone and uh it ends up in someone's ears. It's amazing. Yeah. Sean did Sean did that. And uh that's that's pretty amazing. Uh hopefully we all get encouragement and I'm inspired, you know, to to keep Andrew out of this apartment for 18 months. <laughs> 18 months, not that long. So I can create my dream life without Andrew. It's going to be sweet. Back. can't believe you would move on in 18 months. <laughs> How long would you take, take you to move on? I would never move on. Uh, that's so sweet. I mean... I would, I would get my, I would, I would hook it up, you know, I would hook up around town and stuff like that, but you know, I'm not going to like do this whole falling in love thing again. <laughs> well, just don't go away for more than 18 months and I'll be here. It's very simple. Can't believe it. <laughs> Cold. John, thank you so much for sharing your story with us. Uh, yeah. Thank you for listening to the podcast. And how amazing to create the life of your dreams. Indeed. Okay. As I was saying before, my computer went to sleep. Yes. If you like this podcast, share it with your friends. Leave us a review where you listen to the podcast. And you can also write to us so we can read your feedback on this very podcast. Hello at tellspodcast.com. Sounds great. So next time. Sorry we missed last week. It's Andrew's fault, obviously. Yes, it is my fault. Traveling out of the country. No, it's that's not that was not the fault. Being on tilt from tournaments. Don't take it personally. And listening to too much mariachi. <laughs> Adios, amigos. <laughs> Until next week. Bye.